This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomoto, NPR. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Welcome to Amazing Grace for another week. I pray you will be blessed. My name's Lynette. Hi, and today I'm joined by my husband, Dennis. And here at Amazing Grace, we want to hear from you. And we also have some free giveaways. Signs magazines are here locally in um, Palmerston North in most of the takeaways. It's a small magazine, but it's Packed with punch. It's got a lot of articles on health and family and issues that we face in life today. And the other giveaway is the book Steps to Christ. So you can contact us and um, by either email, which is info at mpr.nz, or text us, and the number is 022. Six eight one five two one six, and yes, um, if you would like um, prayer, we would be happy to pray with you and for you, or a friend or family member, on ear or off ear. So let's start by inviting God to be here as well. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We pray that we will hear your voice speaking to all of us. In your name, Amen. Now, just a devotion that, uh, something that jumped out at my husband this morning and he's asked me to share. So the verse is from Revelation 22, 12. And it says, And behold, I come quickly. And my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. Christ's life here on earth assures us of his kinship or his connection like a family member with us here on earth. And his ascension to heaven enables us to feel our kinship with him in heaven. That's worth thinking about. He is coming back to receive us to himself, that where he is, there we may be also, he said in John 14, 3. The 11th verse of Revelation 22 marks the close of probation. Then the irrevocable decree goes forth. How long it will be before Christ comes, we are not told, but it is quickly. He comes quickly and he comes with rewards. 
In his coming, every human being has an interest, for he will give to every man and woman according as their work shall be. What have we done with the precious gift of life? How have we used it? In that day, the deeds of many a professed Christian will speak louder than his words, or her words. A dying mother called her 13-year-old daughter, the eldest of seven children, to her and said, Mary, you must be mother now to the children. Keep them together. Be patient with father. He is kind to us when he doesn't drink. And then she was gone. She died. Mary entered bravely upon her holy commission. Two years later, a severe fever brought her very low. To the deaconesses who were ministering to her, so the local church um, women were helping her, she said to them, I haven't gone to church because I have had no nice fit clothes and I've been too tired at night to say my prayers properly. What can I say to Jesus when I see him? The wise deaconess took the small hands, hardened with toil for others, and said, Don't say anything, Mary. Just show him your hands. What has our work been? Our work represents our life. What has our life been? How have we used it? Let us think of these things today, for we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Romans 14.10 tells us that. And a verse as a prayer. The Lord shall judge the people. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and according to mine iniquity. And David said that, I believe, in Psalms 7, verse 8. So, yes, a beautiful experience of this girl who gave her life for her family. And, yes, let's think upon the questions. What have we done? with our life? What have we done with this precious gift of life? So now we're going to be blessed with a instrumental um, item and it is called Far Beyond the Sun. When I am down And oh my soul so weary When troubles come and my heart burden be Then I am still And wait here in the silence Until you come And sit a while with me You raise me up So I can stand on mountains me up to walk on 
And I made a bit of a mistake. The um, the 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 next piece of music will be the instrumental one. All right. So now, just we're swapping things around a little here today. Instead of our health talk, now we're going to do it a bit later. And Dennis is going to share um, some more thoughts from the Book of Revelation on the um, Book of Revelation chapter three. And what are you speaking about again? Sorry, I'll ask that question again. And yeah, so uh, we're going to be talking on um, the church in Laodicea. We've been going through the seven churches, and now we're on to the last church. Now, the Book of Revelation is such a um, important book, especially at this time in history. Um, in New Zealand here, we um, a lot of people are forced to get a vaccination uh, who don't want to, um, and they're going to lose their jobs if they don't. So it's quite a crisis for a lot of people. And uh, the Book of Revelation talks um, in the future, and we believe it could be near future, that there will be forced um, uh, false worship. So um, the book of Revelation is so important, and as we go through, we shall explain uh, more of these things. But um, I've been promoting um, a series of booklets um, done by um, a couple of um, 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 very, um, what would you say, very uh, learned uh, men, uh, one from America and one from Australia, and uh, they've written a, a series of um, little booklets. You can either get 12, a set of 12, or a set of 14, and they go through each of the chapters. And they really make the book of Revelation easy to understand. So when you understand the symbols, then you can understand the message. And there's so many quotes from the Old Testament. So it's knowing um, the whole Bible 
um, really does help in the stories in the Old Testament, which illustrate um, final events on a worldwide scale. So all you've got to do is you just put it into Google, Revelation, Hope, Meaning and Purpose, and you can, you'll find out how you can purchase them. So like I said, just put into Google, Revelation, Hope, Meaning and Purpose. Now, I'm just going to read um, from um, Revelation chapter 3, 14 um, to 22. Now, last time I was giving you some of the promises about the overcomer. And it's just wonderful what there is ahead for each person who has given their lives to God and let God into their lives. Um, the future is just amazing. Whereas if you if you believe um, that we're here uh, just by evolution, um, life is meaningless. Well, what's the point? What's the point? But when you take what the Bible says, that God has created us and he has a purpose for our life here, but not only for this life, but for eternity. And it really gives life um, a lot of meaning. So... <clears throat> I, I mentioned before that um, the sixth church is the people who will be um, the final um, believers on the earth before Jesus comes, it, because it goes through the final crisis. I mentioned that. Now, when we come to the seventh church, um, I'll, I'll just read it. And it says here, to the angel of the church in Laodicea, write, um, this is verse fourteen twenty two, and it says, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were either one or the other. So, because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say I'm rich and I've achieved wealth. And I do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Oh, doesn't sound too good, does it? And in verse 18 says the counsel. When God rebukes, he always gives counsel. And then the counsel goes like this. I counsel you to buy of me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich <coughs> and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and eye sword to put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love are rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. And then a wonderful promise, here I am standing at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Verse 21, it's the best promise in the Bible. To him that overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. And in verse 22, it says, He who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. It's interesting, it says, ear. Here in the Gospels, he who have ears with an S on it, um, let him hear. But here it says, if you only got one ear, listen. So it must be really important. Now, 
<coughs> the history of Laodicea is really interesting. And I'll just share a wee bit here about the history. <coughs> now, the Laodicea was founded um, in 250 BC um, by um, I'll just spell his name, A-N-T-I-O-C-H-U-S, of Syria. It was named after his wife, Laodicea. Laodicea was one of the great commercial strategy, um, commercial um, centres of the ancient world. It was a great banking and financial centres. It was one of the richest cities in the world. And interesting, in AD 61, a devastating earthquake, and they were so rich and independent, they refused help from the Roman government and rebuilt the city themselves. So they must have been really wealthy. It was so wealthy, they didn't need God. Um, it <clears throat> it was a, a great centre of clothing manufacture. They were so proud of their garments, they never realised that they were naked in the sight of God. It was a very um, considerable medical centre. So famous were its doctors, the names of some of them are on the coins of Laodicea. The medical school was famous for two, two things throughout the world. Ointment for the ears and ointment for the eyes. They made um, medical skill uh, care for the eyes, but they never realised that they were spiritually blind. And there was a large Jewish population in this area, and they were wealthy and had a lot of influence. So that's a, that's a wee bit about the history um, of Laodicea, the actual place. Now, what does it mean? What does Laodicea actually mean? And um, it actually means uh, judgment of the people. Um, now, it's interesting that Jesus has nothing good to say about this church, nothing good at all. And um, in, in this little booklet um, that I've been promoting, um, which you just put into Google, Revelation, Hope, Meaning and Purpose, and on page four, it has the seven churches, and um, across the top, it's got the description of Jesus, and then Jesus knows, Jesus commends, Jesus rebukes, and Jesus counsels, and um, Jesus promise. So when it comes to Laodicea, the description of Jesus, he's the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. Jesus knows uh, their works, their false claims, their true condition. And Jesus rebukes them. He says they're lukewarm and and to vomit you up, the poor, blind and naked. But the council, the council is the eyesore to see, seek uh, from me gold tried in the fire and white clothing. And the promise, wonderful promise, um, <clears throat> says to sit on his throne with him. So that's a wonderful promise, isn't it? Um, 
So, yeah, so there's so many things here to mention, but, um, you know, the wonderful thing about this church, there is hope, wonderful hope for the church because Jesus never rebukes unless there is no opportunity for hope. He wouldn't rebuke if there was no hope. He wouldn't rebuke. And we have the best promise in in the um, in the Bible, Revelation three twenty one, to the overcomer, they will sit with me on my throne. Um, but the problem is they don't see their need. Now, there's an interesting verse in Proverbs thirty and verse twelve, and it says, "There is a generation that is pure in its own eyes, yet it is not washed from its filthiness." So this is the problem of Laodicea. They didn't see their need. And it's important for you and me to see our need. And I just got a quote here from a book on Proverbs, and it says, we must know our real condition or we shall not feel our need of Christ's help. We must understand our danger or we shall not flee um, to the refuge. <clears throat> we must feel the pain of our wounds or we shall not desire healing. And Spurgeon says the point of contact between the sick person and the physician is the disease, right? So when we realize our disease, we can go to Jesus. So it's wonderful. Um, now, do we, should we have a break? Yes, we should go to our ad break now. If you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the Kiwi Fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate. Welcome back. Um, now we're talking about Laodicea, the last church, and um, they don't see their need. They were very, very wealthy. Historically, they were very, very wealthy. They didn't see their need. And God is saying this is the problem with the church in the last days. They don't see their need. The, the paradox of grace is that the greatest saints feel themselves the greatest sinners. The Apostle Paul, towards the end of his life, he said, I am the chief of sinners. In Romans seven twenty four, he said, A wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? And he says, Thanks be to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Only God can deliver us from ourselves. And... <clears throat> Humanity is blind to its condition spiritually. But we can ask Jesus to open our eyes, and when the Holy Spirit is working in our lives, we can see our need. Now, the interesting thing, in Matthew um, 5, verse 3, it says, Blessed, I really like this translation, blessed are the poor in spirit. That's the normal translation, which you'll see in a lot of Bibles, but... This one here says, Blessed are those who recognize they are spiritually helpless. Blessed, happy, happy are those who realize. So it's to see our need. And we can ask God, you know, 
David said, search me, O God, and know me, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way of everlasting life. So that's a wonderful prayer that you and I can pray. Now, before I talk about the counsel, which is um, verse 18 to 20, um, this church, I believe, is the um, the church just before the remnant, the remnant. This is the shaking. Now, when we get into the seals, you get to the sixth seal, and there's a mighty shaking in nature. But there's also a mighty shaking spiritually. And the, the, the tears are shaken out. The goats are shaken out. And in the end, we're going to end up with two groups in this world, not just three. Many are sitting on the fence, but they're going to be only two groups, the hot and the cold. Um, now, there's an interesting verse in Isaiah. Now, I just have to turn there, Isaiah 33, and um, it says... Actually, chapter 33 is interesting. Actually, um, verses 14 um, down to 18. But I'll just I'll read 14, and it says here, The sinners in Zion, that's in the church, are afraid. Fearfulness has seized the hypocrite. And in verse 17, I love this verse, and it says, Your eyes will see the king in his beauty. They will see a land that's very far away. Right, so <clears throat> there's a mighty shaking coming within um, this world and um, and especially in, in the uh, Christian church. In the book of Haggai, it says, um, give careful thought three times, it says there. In Deuteronomy 4, it says, three times, only be careful, watch yourself closely. Now, those who follow the counsel of Laodicea, I believe, will be the remnant. They will be the Philadelphian people. They will be the 144,000, which is only symbolically, um, I believe, is a huge number from all around this world. Now, we should have a song. Yes, righto.
Welcome back. Um, here we're looking at um, the book of Revelation, going through the book of Revelation um, this year. And uh, we're up to the Church of Laodicea, and we're looking at, we're going to look now at the council, the council. And the council is verse 18, and it says, um, I counsel you to buy uh, from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shame and nakedness and, and eyesore. Uh, to put on your eyes so that you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. Be earnest and repent. Here I stand, here I am standing at the door and knock. If anyone, um, hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Right. So let's have a look at this. What does the gold mean? So he counseled to buy gold refined in the fire. Gold. Gold. Um, I just read a verse um, from First Peter one verse seven. It says that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tested in the fire, may be found uh, to praise, honour, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So gold, gold actually represents faith. But also with faith is love. So gold represents <coughs> faith and love. <coughs> now, oh, I've just got a bit of a cough here. And um, I. Um, what helps me is having fishermen. Fishermen. And um, <coughs> now how do we get this um, faith and love? Now, in Ephesians um, chapter 2, 8 and 9, it, it says it's a gift. For by grace are you saved, um, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Um, for we are his workmanship. So the, the gift of God. So faith is actually a gift. And love is actually a gift. Romans says that. Romans 5 and verse 5 plus other verses in the Bible. Romans 5 and verse 5 says, Hope does not disappoint us, for God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given. So it's a gift. It's a gift. He's, he's saying, I want to give you faith. I want to give you love. <clears throat> And um, the Bible, in many places, talk um, about asking and seeking and knocking. But it's interesting also that um, it's God, God who actually comes um, seeking us. Now, <clears throat> also, white clothes, white clothes, um, so it says there, um, white clothes to wear so you can cover your shamefulness. Now, in Revelation 16, you have the same sort of thing said. Now, I'll just turn over there and in 16. And if I remember, it's verse 15. He says, Behold, I come like a thief. Blessed is he who stays awake and keeps his clothes with him so that he may not go naked 
and be shamefully exposed, right? So, same sort of idea. Now, in Zechariah 3, um, Joshua had filthy garments and um, he was told to take them off and um, put on this new garment. And the Bible says, Isaiah 64, verse 6, that all our righteousness is filthy rags. And um, in First Corinthians one thirty, it says, Jesus is our righteousness. He is our wisdom. He is our sanctification. And then in Jeremiah 23, verse 6, it says, the Lord, our righteousness. So it's really saying we need Jesus. We need to come into relationship with Jesus and be covered with his righteousness so our nakedness is not exposed. Now, the um, the last thing here, well, I, now I should say, um, going back to Revelation 16, verse 15, it says, keep your clothes on. See, keep your relationship with Jesus. Otherwise, we are naked without it. Now, also, um, I saw, I saw, it says there, um, let me go back to Revelation 3. It says, um, and I saw to put on your eyes so that you can see. Now, <clears throat> I've got some notes here. Um, it's um, I saw, I saw. Where did I see that? Um, yes. What it means... <clears throat> It means that um, we need the Holy Spirit to open our eyes so that we can see our real condition. <clears throat> That's what we need. Now, I, um, I've got a wonderful book at home. It's called um, Heaven on Earth. And <clears throat> anyhow, this is what it says, page 54. It's actually written in the 16th century as um, Thomas Brooke. He was a Puritan. And he says, God speaks peace to the soul. I will blot out thy iniquities for my namesake. I will remember thy sins no more, which is Isaiah 43, verse 25. So, and then he goes on to say, I love this. Here is mercy to pardon thee. Here is grace to adore thee. Here is righteousness to justify thee. Here is eyesore to enlighten thee. Here is gold to enrich you, raiment to clothe you, balm to heal you, bread to nourish you, and happiness to crown thee, and myself to satisfy thee. See, God is everything we need. Our hearts were made for God, and we are restless until we come to Jesus. Now, the um, wonderful verse, um, verse 20, which says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and will eat with him and he with me. So here is a wonderful promise. Now, it's actually taken from Song of Solomon, which is about the middle of the Bible, and it's chapter 5. And um, <coughs> Solomon comes knocking. He comes knocking. And um, <coughs> it's a really interesting story. You want to read it. Have a read of it. Chapter 5. 
um, Solomon comes for his bride and he's knocking, but she's in bed and she finds it hard to get out. Anyhow, this is a wonderful verse. See, God is, even though he finds nothing good with his church, he is knocking at the door of their heart. He loves this church. He loves his people. And he wants a relationship. He wants to come in, you know. We are like lost sheep, and he comes seeking for us. I love where, where David says in Psalms 119, 176, the last verse, I am a lost sheep. Come and find me. If we lack faith, patience, love, it's useless to look within. When it seems that you have little faith, little love, little joy, cry unto the Lord all the more. Jesus got a cure for lukewarmness. He stands at the door of our hearts. Um, open the door and he will come in. Oh, matchless grace, he is sick of our lukewarmness, professes. The only answer is to invite Jesus. Is. Jesus is the answer. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And the last promise, <clears throat> I've run out of time, but the last promise, those who follow the counsel, Jesus says that they will sit with him on his throne. My friend, you have a wonderful future ahead of you. Seek Jesus. Allow him into your life. The first verse in the Bible says, In the beginning, God. And if you put God first in your life, you will end up living forever with Jesus. Um, it says also that seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else is going to be added unto us. So it's the most sensible thing in the, in the world to do is to seek Jesus. So anyhow, I've got to stop. Um, it's just wonderful sharing um, things from the Bible, and uh, God bless you. I'll see you next time. He's our rescuer, he's our rescuer, we are free from sin forevermore. Oh, how sweet the sound, oh, how grace abounds, we will praise the Lord, our rescuer. There is good news for the captive, good news for the shame. There is good news for the world who walked away There is good news for the doubter The one religion failed For the good Lord has come to seek and save He's our
today and we've been looking at the book Live More Happy which is a a giveaway that um, I'm being reminded to uh, remind you about that you are welcome to um, contact us and you can contact us again on info at mpr.nz or text on 022-681-5216 and um, this book Live More Happy by Dr. Darren Morton which I'm going to be sharing some thoughts from is available and also the book um, Steps to Christ and um, just remember we're happy to pray for you or a friend or family member off air or on air if you'd like so yes let's have a look we're up to chapter 4 and remember that um, Dr. Darren is is focusing in this book on the limbo, which is the, um, his nickname for the limbic system in our brain, um, a small part um, uh, in our brain which is responsible for emotions. It's its core business and mood, its main role, and just the powerful effect that this this area of our brain has on our whole body and how we can live more happy. And so chapter four has been on blue and green should often be seen. And I'm just going to continue um, from from where we left last week. Natural environments can lift us emotionally in rich and profound ways. Surely you have already experienced it for yourself. The view from a mountain peak, gazing out over the vast ocean as the sun sets. The sound of running water from a mountain stream. The crisp smell of alpine forest is the in the early morning or a field laden with wildflowers in spring. Our limbo comes alive in these natural places because of the way it is wired to our senses of sight, sound and smell. Thousands of years ago, Aristotle proposed the idea that we are designed to inhabit such places and that doing so is good for our happiness. It provides us with a love of life, more recently referred to as biophilia. More than 30 studies have examined the influence of exposure to natural environments on how people feel, and the consensus is that they do indeed make people feel more positive and less negative. Alarmingly, many people today live in artificial environments such as the concrete jungles of the city, 
grey spaces and are starved of the natural world, blue and green spaces. That makes our limbo come alive. A new term that has even been coined, nature deficit disorder. That's interesting, isn't it? Nature deficit disorder. Children suffering nature deficit disorder who don't get to regularly surround themselves in the great outdoors are more prone to anxiety, depression and attention deficit disorder, ADD. 100 years ago, Sir John Thompson warned that increasing modernisation would disconnect us from natural environments and that we would suffer for it. He couldn't have been more correct. As our work... Socialisation and recreation has become increasingly screen-based. We have become more disconnected from nature. Not surprisingly, a large study conducted in the United States found a significant relationship between depression and media use. It is time to reverse this trend and go a natural, by which Dr. Morton Reens, returning to natural environments, clothed, of course. (laughs) Dr. Stephen Kaplan from the University of Michigan explains that modern living makes high demands on our information processing skills. We have computers, traffic, smartphones, so many things bombarding our brains which lead to unnatural mental strain. On the other hand, natural stimuli such as landscapes and animals effortlessly engage our attention, so lead to less mental fatigue. Indeed, the great outdoors can do us good emotionally, and there is strong evidence for this. Hospital patients who merely have a view of a natural landscape tend to consume less pain-killing medication and have shorter hospital stays. Exposure to green areas has been associated with less aggression and even just a window view of nature is significantly correlated to lower levels of domestic violence. A New Zealand study, that's right here, showed that every 1% increase in the amount of green space within 3 kilometres or 2 miles of an individual's home was associated with a 4% lower prevalence of anxiety and mood disorders. Scientists are only beginning to learn why the great outdoors is so great for us, but some intriguing theories are emerging. We have already discussed the importance of bright light and natural colours, but a more novel theory relates to earthing. We know that our body and brain constantly have electrical impulses running through them. We measure these all the time in medicine. But it has been suggested that to function optimally, we need to be earthed. The easiest way to do that is to kick off, rub soled shoes and get around barefooted. Garden and spend time in iron rich air such as that which is found near running water such as rivers and the ocean or very green spaces such as rainforests 
There is some evidence that earthing can reduce chronic pain, improve blood sugar, control and even boost immunity. Another interesting theory relates to the air quality. In the 1800s, health authorities in London believed that bad-smelling air, referred to as miasma, caused cholera outbreaks. While the miasma theory was debunked, there is now growing interest and concern regarding the impact of air quality on people's health and well-being. Clearly, poor air quality can trigger respiratory problems, but scientists are discovering that the air we breathe might have other surprising effects too. For example, a study found that people living less than 500 metres, about 1,650 feet above sea level, level, were five times more likely to be obese than those living above 3,000 metres, about 10,000 feet. The reason why thin air might be thinning is that it causes biochemical changes that cause the limbo to suppress appetite. But there is more to air than just how thin it is. Other researchers are suggesting that causing carbon dioxide, sorry, suggesting that raising carbon dioxide levels in our atmosphere might be contributing to the obesity epidemic as they too can cause biochemical changes in the limbo resulting in increased appetite. Over the past 50 years, atmospheric carbon dioxide, hold on, lost my place, atmospheric carbon dioxide levels have increased by about 40% while obesity has doubled. So if you now have a sudden interest in breathing, Less carbon dioxide, you'll be interested to learn that the carbon dioxide levels in the air inside sealed rooms can be 20 to 100 times higher than outside. Regardless of the mechanisms, studies consistently show that people who are more connected to nature suffer less anxiety and anger and enjoy more vitality and happiness. Blue and green should often be seen and touched and breathed and smelled. So let's put this chapter into action. He says, and this is a suggestion, number one, go and play outside. Make an effort to get outside while the sun is shining for at least 30 minutes each day. As explained earlier, don't stare into the sun to get your bright light therapy, but immerse yourself in naturally lit environments while you are outside. Perform some moderate intensity physical activity at the same time so you get a double happiness hit by moving dynamically while immersing in an uplifting natural environment. A study in the United Kingdom found that people who are physically active in natural environments such as the bush, woods, forests, have about half the risk of suffering from poor mental health that those who don't, than those who don't. And the second um, suggestion is to find, see a sunrise, find a natural environment in which to see a sunrise. Don't stare 
at it directly, but be there when it happens. Enjoy it. Test and see if the morning light gives you a lift and starts your day right. And I can um, testify that it's quite a, um, yeah, it's a real special thing to get up and to see the sun rise. So, chapter four finished and immerse in an uplifting physical environment was what we have been um, learning all about. Blue and green should often be seen. So, yes. And just to wrap up before we finish, just a reminder that um, we would love to hear from you. And the contact again is the text 0226815216 or um, info at mpr.nz and let's just finish with a prayer dear heavenly father we thank you for this time we thank you for um, the bible and the truth that it gives us help us to put you first in our lives i pray that you'll be with the listeners right now and guide them whatever they are going through Help them to know and help us to know that you are our great counsellor, provider, redeemer and friend. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So from all of us here, from us here, that's myself and Dennis, we pray that you will grow in grace. May the love of the Father and the grace of the Lord Jesus and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Ah uh-huh.